Hi everyone, this is Anshuman Panwar. I am the co-founder of Teredata Solutions. एक मिनट रुक जाओ, ready होने दो। चलो, ये कर लेते हैं। This could be a great intro. Hi, I am Akshay. Hi, this is Saurabh, and you are listening to the Founder Thesis podcast. We meet some of the most celebrated startup founders in the country, and we want to learn how to build a unicorn. But way back when I joined my first job, I started getting calls that would offer me a lifetime free credit card. Today, you would hardly get such calls. Instead, you have the new age fintechs like Slice, UniPay, etc., that offer you a modern user experience on your card, and they use online marketing methods to get users to sign up. This evolution in how businesses engage customers is happening across all sectors, be it ordering food or buying groceries. But one space which has been lagging behind is the space of collections, or basically, what happens in case you don't pay your EMI on time. Many companies continue to use old methods to collect debts that are highly people-intensive. This is the opportunity that Anshuman Panwar spotted and built Creditas to solve. Anshuman is an IIT IIM alumnus who worked in the collections business for global markets before deciding to build a SaaS product to radically disrupt traditional collection methods, and his bet paid off. Today, Creditas is a profitable business which has raised very little funding and has some of the biggest banks and NBFCs in India use their product. Listen on as Akshay talks to Anshuman about the collection space and how Creditas is on the path to be a 500 crore top-line business by 2025. I got an opportunity to join this company called Balladaw Capital. I met my co-founder at Balladaw. So this is way back in 2009. So we know each other from 2009. So this was a business which was essentially purchasing highly distressed consumer assets in the UK market. What that essentially means is they were going to banks and NBFCs or equivalent in the UK market and saying, "Hey, तुम्हारे कौन से defaulted personal loans, credit cards, customers have not paid for six months to one year, two year. These portfolios are with you, so we'll buy these portfolios." At a deep discount, right? So they were essentially a debt purchaser. What is the uh, economics of that business? Like, for example, you buy a hundred. Let's say there's a bucket of loans which are worth one crore. You'll buy them for what, like ten lakhs or something like that, like ten percent or lower. No, no. So our average at that point would be about five percent. This was the UK market, and the prices were going down. So the beauty is, on one side, you have these banks who are looking to sell these assets, right? Troubled assets or toxic assets, so to speak, or these pool of accounts, retail accounts. These are not corporate loans, like you know, big loans. These are like individuals like you and I who have defaulted, so to speak, right? Personal loans mostly. Personal loan, credit card, auto loans, the entire gamut of retail loan spread as such, right? Everything except housing loan, everything except mortgages, everything on the retail side. So what happens in adverse selections is that you have these banks who have these pools of accounts, right? And on the other hand, you'll have these purchasers like us, which will come in. Now, typically, what happens is a bank will, at any point, let's say, has hundred crores of such accounts. They themselves will break it down. They'll say, okay, these are accounts which are in this UK market. Let's say they start saying that okay, we will start selling at a stage where the guy has not paid for three months, for example, or let's say six months for ease of this thing. Okay, six months is my first tranche. Then there'll be twelve months. 
then there'll be 18 months and then there'll be two years. So what the bank itself does is it says, okay, I have this 100 crore pool, which has just entered, not paid in six months as it took there. At that point, they say, okay, a part of this pool, I will sell. The rest, I will try to keep collecting on my own. Then at 12 months again, I will send a bit of it again at 18, again at 24, right? Uh, so that everything, either the person has paid me. If it's not paid, then by 24 months, I will sell it off to someone else. So what happens, now the beauty is the debt purchaser, whoever is coming in and say, yeah, this guy is only six months old of not payment versus this fool, which is 24 months old, right? So he will say, okay, the six months pool is far better to collect from than a guy who's not paid for two years, right? So I will pay a premium on it, right? So I might buy it at 20%, for example. And this pool of 24 months is also available. I'll pay 5% only because obviously some has been squeezed out of it, so to speak. So that's the sort of idea that has been squeezed out. So you pay 5%. Uh, how much do you recover? Like you paid 5 lakhs for a 1 crore loan bucket. How much would you have recovered from that? What would be the cost of recovery? So And therefore, what would be left for you? So from the economics of the business, every portfolio you buy has a yield curve, essentially, right? What is equivalent to yield? Uh, what I figured out was that essentially... Your yield curves don't move much, right? If you bought at 5% or 20%, a 5% will maybe yield you 20%. A 20% will yield you a 30%. That's it, right? It's not as if you're five, you're getting 20. So 20, you'll get 84x, right? The movement is not that much. So it effectively, the key element to this is the price you have paid. That defines your profit and bottom lines. So it's like a Pareto analysis, like 20% of those accounts would give you 80% of the revenue. So you would want to figure out which are those 20% and just focus on them and let the other 80% just like not waste too much time. Send a letter, no response, forget it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The idea is, which is brilliant because in collections, really what happens is most people view collections as a problem of morality. Unfortunately, that is not the case. And these are all collection scenes everywhere in the world. We look at collections as an issue of morality, whereas it is essentially, or they'll try to solve for morality of the customer, so to speak, right? What they need to solve for, in our view, is solve for things. Friction as such, right? Hard to make it as frictionless as possible. Even in an Indian context, right? If somebody has taken a, I'll just say, uh, if you owe the bank one crore, it is your problem. If you owe the bank a hundred crore, it's the bank's problem, right? The idea is if somebody has taken a loan with an express intent to run away from it, then it's going to run away from it anyways, from uh, high or hell, hell or high water, so to speak. Second, also at the time of lending, that's how lending works, right? After about four years of working in Validor, what we realized, so to speak, was that two, three things. Uh, first of all, we realized this is a humongous market. Extremely big market, which unfortunately, because it is unsexy, nobody focuses on. And I will say its repute or reputation is also somehow well-founded. <laughs> Those guys behave like that, so to speak. And it's a huge market one. Second, it's also... Despite being a huge market, it's a market wherein the advent and use of technology has been extremely low, right? They still rely on like calling and having customer interaction, so to speak. Whereas even seven years back, you would have all these concepts of business models coming on. How do you lend to customers completely digitally and on? Whereas on collections, it is always understood that uh, till the time you have not 
basically mouth of two choices of your invectives to the customer <laughs> that is how the collections is done and maybe little thought was uh, thrown there so at some point about back in 2014 I thought hey uh, let's start something of our own we explored a lot of ideas and obviously because we had this experience of even if it was for about four years in the UK market he said, let's do this in the Indian market and with a technology kind of a thing, quite uh, where uh, if we can build out technology for banks and we can go and pitch it to them. Uh, that instead of doing this entire piece using the manual field force or telecalling, if we can do this with system, so to speak, which is interacting directly with the customer, it's far better. And then the idea at that initial stage was very simply that from a system perspective, two things. First of all, that entire conversation, right? If, for example, is a debtor owes money to the bank, if he's talking to a call center agent or a collection agent on one side versus if he's interacting with a sort of impersonal sort of sanitized screen, the conversation is completely different, right? Uh, on one side, there is obviously a human emotion somewhere to play and all kinds of things happen. On the other side, wow, you can have a much easier this thing and it's not as if Akshay will break his laptop or his phone, <laughs> right? It gets that angry. It is what it is and you can have a much better this thing. Second is the fact that if you look at collections as such, ultimately it is all about or traditionally has been about putting people, right? Whether it is field, boots on ground, on a field force who are going and knocking on people's doors to collect money, or a call center agent, which is again putting a warm body on a telephone, on a seat with a telephone attached to call up them, right? That has an issue with scale. Whereas if you have a system which automatically, let's say a central brain is sending out millions of SMSs, a billion of robocalling, emails, Facebook, etc. Right, you're not limited. You can essentially reach out to your entire base within a minute. Whereas with people, you just cannot do that. Right, so there are efficiencies which get built in terms of scale. And third, finally, actually, third idea there would be that because it's a system, right, as opposed to people, your cost should also reduce. That's the third from a digital perspective. The fourth bit, which is the most important, is if you look at collections the world over. Okay, like I want to give an analogy here. There was a time when you and me had just come out of college into our first jobs. We would be getting these calls for credit cards that do you want a credit card? There was that whole boom period of companies trying to give credit cards to everyone, which now today's world, the way companies sell credit cards through micro-targeting and there are different cards being sold to different kind of audiences and there is email marketing and SMS marketing and it is basically the process of selling a credit card is no longer human driven. It is digital driven, basically. So that same approach is what you wanted to bring into the collections industry. Yes, you can say that, except fundamentally, the difference being if you're trying to sell a personal loan to someone digitally versus trying to collect money digitally are two different propositions altogether. The latter is far tougher, right? Absolutely. I'm not trivializing the challenge here, but just an analogy to, to show the evolution, basically, from that human-driven, cold-calling-based approach to a digital approach. Yes, absolutely. I think the biggest, obviously, challenge there 
was for people to look at that. See, even from a selling stuff digitally or banking digitally, right? There were always presidents in the West who were doing that and India and then we had players in India come up pretty much follow them. Or even before that, you always had the likes of Amazon and all these sort of, that was the promise of digital that you can sell stuff better. Whereas talking about collecting stuff better digitally was something that was somehow jarring to people or as always in Africa, that happened. If you have to collect digitally and from telling to customers, then the guy would not be telling quite up front. But yes, and then we can talk a bit more about why that helps, uh, how that journey evolved and what all we learned. From day one, was it this exact thesis to be pure digital, not have human telecalling pr- process and all that, or did it evolve over the years? So um, I think as with any business, there was an evolution. But yes, I think the fundamental concept was pretty much, as you said, to build it as digital as possible. The idea was obviously to understand the market as such as well and try to pitch. And then obviously it wasn't the easiest thing to do. So essentially we at some point we pretty much adopted what we call as the hobo strategy. We pretty much parked ourselves at the bank <laughs> so that the guy will say, okay, I not to get you off our back. Say here are some accounts that you can start working with. Uh, obviously the bank said, hey, what is the bottom of the barrel? Uh, and then dig a little deeper and give the most of the most accounts to you just to get us off their back back so to speak and that's where we started no was it the same deal they that you bought that or was it like a service you told banks that outsource collections to us for a fees like a fixed fees business yeah it was an outsource or it's an outsource sort of a it's not we don't Purchasing debt requires massive capital, right? To get an ARC license, there are norms, 100 crore plus you need to have balance sheet. So the idea was that, okay, fine. Uh, essentially, what we're trying to do is affect a technology change and a change as such, right? So here's a piece of technology. We will use it. We go to banks. The banks will say, okay, here is a bunch of accounts. Please go collect on them using your method. I don't care whether you use field force or call on them or if you're saying you have this new piece of thing, technology, and magically people will start saying, okay, let's see what happens, what doesn't happen, right? So we pretty much started with that. Our first client was HDFC Bank, right? And as usual, they will, as I said, say, okay, what are the worst of the accounts? Because that has the least risk, even if it doesn't collect, it's okay. And then they will keep digging further and say, okay, <laughs> there's something even worse than that. And they will give us those accounts, except that we started performing, obviously, right? Again, it comes down to liquidation curves, etc. Right. If you get a six-month-old account or a pool of six-month-old account versus if you get ten-year-old account, the liquidation rates are going to be different. But as long as the banks know what the liquidation rates are, as long as you perform, you perform, right? And then you try to go up the value chain. So in these initial days, the sort of business operation was simple. Banks will give us a bunch of accounts. We would work like any agency. So one of the things is banks on collection side rely on agencies quite a bit, right? They outsource a lot of it because banks also are regulated by RBI. They have their norms. If they have all these really low-cost resources on their own books, there are issues, etc. that they have to deal with. So they rely, a lot of the things are outsourced. Collections tends to be big outsourced things. So is sales as well, right? BSAs and all exist. Uh, so we paneled ourselves like an agency because that was the easiest, right? They said this already exists. Here's a form, sign it. After that, I don't care what you do, what you don't do as long as you're not uh, 
abusing people or breaking their kneecaps, so to speak, which anyways was not the model. So what would happen is the bank would give me, let's say, 100 accounts. I will get those accounts. We will do a bit of branching. We'll figure out that, hey, here is a customer A who is, let's say, 30 years old, took a loan now the credit card at 22, defaulted by 25, 26. It's been four years into default. I can figure out that he's in a job, might be looking for a has just got married, might be looking for a house or a car. So what I would do is, here's a segment to which I will say or send out an SMS and then keep it very simple that, hey, Mr. Customer, do you know a poor credit score will impact your chances of buying that dream house or buying that dream car, so to speak? The, and the messaging will be very, very neutral. It will be very sales and sales messaging and speaking to a customer's particular need. Nowhere am I saying that, hey, Mr. Customer, I know that you owe money to HDFC Bank. Come here and resolve it. The idea is not that. The idea is to for the person that some innate and inherent need or some trigger has been triggered that he clicks on that SMS, lands on a web page. At that point, we would sort of have a journey wherein we'll show him that, hey, guess what? This is your credit report. He would log in, take out his credit report and say, hey, guess what? This is an HDFC account, which has not been paid for five years. And it is bringing down your credit score and your eligibility to get any access to any new credit line, so to speak. We were, by the way, the first ones in all of India to tie up with the Bureau. So we were the first company. Now I'm sure everybody does it. But way back in 2015, we were the first ones to make the deal with Experian and Bohan was the CEO and MD at that time. So we were the first ones to open this credit report directly to customers, which a lot of, I think, other businesses do, right? Now. Pretty much every other business does it. If you like to hear stories of founders, then we have tons of great stories from entrepreneurs who have built billion-dollar businesses. Just search for the Founder Thesis Podcast on any audio streaming app like Spotify, Ghana, Apple Podcasts, and subscribe to the show. These other businesses which are doing it right now are doing it for risk underwriting or as a sales funnel approach? largely on a sales funnel approach. So you will see the likes of Pesa Bazaar, Bank Bazaar. Like get your free credit score and when someone fills that form, then they sell them stuff. Yeah, uh, on that. And then you also have credit and all, which is also somewhere accessing your credit report because you tick on a thing. So that has evolved over a period of time, obviously. The interesting bit was that uh, we go to the bureau and say that essentially I only want to get credit scores of those customers or give credit reports to those customers who have a delinquency. If the guy is absolutely clean, he's absolutely useless to me. Whereas for all these businesses, that is the one that they want. I'm actually looking for the garbage of it. The bad customers is what I want, which was interesting. At some point, a particular website went viral as well. We weren't even marketing. People were coming in to check out their credit reports. And a lot of good customers were coming. And we had to go to the bureau and say, please stop this functionality or at least don't let us pay because this is an absolute <laughs> waste of uh, resources for us, right? Uh, so that's where we started. We started with one bank, slowly, slowly increased to two banks, three banks. Initially, banks would give us the worst of the accounts, then moved up the value chain, built out technology, got confidence on this, that hey, uh, this is working perfectly well. But one aspect of that business was still something similar to 
even i will say digital lending so to speak right even on digital lending if you click on it etc right what you will see is 50% of the customers will come and okay avail of that loan or credit card completely on its own but there are always drop offs and stuff because people find it difficult tough so all your paisa bazaars bank bazaars all these companies will have a call center who will reach out to them and guide them through the process so to speak uh, so we had to build that also up on the side uh, so we will have customers who will come uh so the bank gives me let's say 100 customers of which 20 let's say log in there 10 complete the journey 10 have not so for those 10, that's an opportunity loss for us and the bank as well right so we built out a team of what we call as analysts so to speak who are essentially guiding the customer or i will say credit counselors who will counsel the customer that hey this is an issue it's your choice ultimately what you want to do or not we don't have a collections approach towards it that you must pay it's more of educative and you try to basically maximize that funnel conversion so to speak right so we did that for about 3 4 um odd years and at some point we said hey this works what kind of numbers were you doing like about who were collecting or what kind of revenue were you generating like how many customers were you collecting from you know, year on year just to show the growth oh yeah yeah okay so first year for salutation i would say i don't know five the first year was 3 months of operation which was pretty much no revenue first year would be what 30 lakhs then pretty much tripling it year on year the good thing of the business has been for us that revenue or amount collect revenue i'm talking about so, so the yeah the way we have run our business has we focus on revenue right the amount collected is the function for it we done it very traditionally that ultimately a business has to be self sustainable and we have not raised too much money just i think by angels we raised about shy of 5 crore in all angels friends and family we've been in existence for last 8 years now of which the last 3 years have been profitable last year we did about 30 crore of revenue with a healthy i will say almost 40% bottom line we are growing year on year hopefully 2x year on year so yeah it's been self grown which we took some money initially yeah okay so that's the business financials but coming back to the business and business journey so about i will say 3 4 years back i will say sometime in 2018 19 at this point we had about 10 20 banks what we realized was here is a piece of technology that works perfectly but there was a bit of a problem in the sense that what is happening is i'm still dependent upon banks that the banks are giving me sliver of accounts i'm working on them reaching out to them digitally on my own website which was called clear my dues which still exists right that side of business and these guys run pay and then that's it he said that he, this itself is a brilliant thing but can we label the solution and give this technology to banks directly right what that enables is from a technology perspective uh, remember there's a uh, as we spoke about personalization there is a lot of personalization and ml that goes into there the more accounts that you feed in the more sort of feedback loops you get that if i put 120 have reacted why have they reacted to which messages what are they doing on the website where are they following off what is their behavior so you're limited by having small pool of accounts but the minute i get and there's a piece of the technology is in sort of backend intelligence so to speak so the idea was can i give this intelligence directly to the banks say why don't you use it white label it 
have the customer. The beauty of that is two, three things. From a bank's perspective, it will suddenly end up, I will say, being able to deploy this technology on its entire base, on its entire portfolio, uh, which is cheaper, easier. And from a customer perspective, instead of me sending out an SMS as my dues, essentially we integrate with the banks and also the banks themselves will be sending out that SMS so the authenticity is better. The person, your engagement with your customers will be higher. They will land on your web page essentially. So they land on the bank web page itself. And we said, hey, so instead of keeping this technology with ourselves, just white label this box, give it to banks. And this is the concept that we call as Neo Collection. So we were pretty much the first ones and from what I can see, the only ones in the world who are doing this at scale. So currently we have about, I will say about two crore accounts across banks, which go on this platform. Each bank has its own platform. It's called Bithera, this Neo Collections platform. And essentially the idea is once the bank holds the platform, it will put each and every account on it. So the idea on, on Neo Collections take this piece of technology, give it to banks, it's a platform, goes across products, across delinquency lines. The beauty of it is that essentially on the background there's a brain and because more accounts are coming in there across different banks, across different portfolios, across different customer segments, a PL, a credit card customer versus a two-wheeler customer are two different segments altogether completely, right? Or a consumer durable customer versus a PL customer. And then you, uh, with the sort of uh, algorithms uh, become much stronger and they can predict and just much more neater and they gain more intelligence, so to speak. So yeah, that's the idea. And that is what we're seeing. We're seeing tremendous uplift and tremendous interest with banks. At some of our partner banks, we are seeing collections of crore and a half, two crores daily coming in on the platform, on a daily basis also coming in, which obviously for three years back, <laughs> in a month, five years back is what we would do in a month across five banks. In one bank on a day, if you're able to do that, it's brilliant. And so that's the next, I will say, journey and evolution of that concept, what we call as new collections. It's, I, I believe it's going to become the standard for us. What we have seen, we're getting a lot of inbound interest also on the platform with banks wanting to adopt it. I think banks themselves have this entire piece of digitizing. They themselves are also facing a challenge from a lot of, I will say, new businesses or startups, which tend to compete with them in some sense for customer attention, whereas here's the platform that we are essentially giving to them, right? And the customer, the credit brand name is absolutely in the background, right? Even if you land on the web page or whatever, in the bottom right-hand corner, it will be written that powered by credit uh, so to speak. Uh, the idea is it's the bank and we're providing a technology to them. Got it. Okay. So I'm going to like recap my understanding. So in 14-15, the approach was, or rather this is the approach of a service business. Like you have two business lines. One is a SaaS business where you white label it. And second is a service business where you charge banks a fixed fees for collecting for them. So in the service business, you created a clear my dues as a consumer facing website. And anybody with whom you had to collect, you would send them a message and you would 
try a variety of messages. You would do A-B testing and see what kind of message works best. And you would do that personalization, probably emails also, I'm guessing. And uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And IVR calls also? Absolutely everything or any digital means of reaching out to customers. I was just using a very simple example of SMS, but you would use all these tools. Yeah. So, so you used all these digital outreach methods to get him to land on clear my dues and enter some identifying information so that you know who this person is. And then you would present him a civil report and you would also nudge him to clear off that amount which is due. So, sorry, there, there are certain nuances, but I will not go into them. But yeah, you can figure out who the customer is without having him to write out stuff, things that we have built out over a period of time that somebody lands. Okay, the links would be customized. So the link would tell you who the customer is. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, got it, got it. So uh, collections where it's not, isn't there always like a negotiation that happens? Like if someone says, sees, okay, there's 10,000 rupees, which is outstanding for me at HDFC bank loan. He may want to, he may be the kind of customer who can pay it off, but there might be someone else who may not be able to pay it off and he may be able to pay off only 2,000. Then how do you? Digitize that negotiation element in collections. Yeah, yeah. So, so you have options presented to the customer and you also give him an option for him to set up his own payment arrangement, right? So if it's 10,000 rupees, there might be one option that I have here 10,000 in one go or I will settle 5,000 in one go or I will pay two 2,000 in five months or one 1,000 to 10 months. Or you give him the option that you give him basically two, three options and then if neither he likes right on the screen, you can have him create his own option which he finds absolutely easy for him to deal with which is all good and well the problem is that essentially from a customer experience perspective you want if the customer has landed there you want to give a resolution to him right then and there so this is where it becomes tricky and which is what we've been able to achieve that we've integrated with the bank sort of engines at times and if those engines, settlement engines don't exist, we build the settlement engines, right? Because unfortunately, as opposed to the sales side or the digitization of sales, which as you said, as we would have seen as existed for last eight, 10 years, right? Wherein the customer comes in, types his stuff, right then and there, there'll be an integration with Bureau, Bureau Report. Online KYC, everything online. Yeah. Everything will be automatically done within everything done, five seconds or this thing is approved. Uh, loan is approved. Whereas, unfortunately, on collections, the process would be okay. He wants this. It has to then go to the central team, to the concerned manager, who at the end of the day will look at what settlements exist. There, he'll get an Excel sheet or 500 settlements. He'll have to basically manually sit and approve, right? And that is a very, it has, again, it's a, so you're not solving for morality. You have to solve for friction. If there's a logic there, just build that logic. The customer is saying 10 months, 1,000 rupees and the bank's logic and they provide us with the logic. If it matches with it, good, goes ahead. If it does not, for example, an easier example might be the customer owes 10,000, says I will pay 3,000. But the logic in the back end is that he can pay 4,000 is what the bank wants to go to minimum, right? So at 3,000, then you say, sorry, this cannot be done. But if you pay 4,500, this will go in and you give some payment arrangements. The whole point right now, which I kept saying initially as well, you're not trying to solve for morality, you have to solve for friction. Remember, and I know it's a bit, what's the word, creepy or I don't know what the word is. That time is money, so to speak. It's an IRR. Why do you want it? The customer, you have customers, mind space with you, right? Now close it then and there, right? Digitally finish it off. 
if the deal is on the table, just do it to the best of your uh, this thing. And that's what digital tools and technology can enable as opposed to, you know, someone physically talking to the person, then going to his boss, seeking an approval that will come in two days, then going and saying, uh, this is now approved, please start paying, stuff like that. It's just building a lot of inefficiencies in the system. So once you configure a pipe which has a lot of inefficiencies, you just clear off those inefficiencies, the amount of water flowing in, Flowing out of the pipe suddenly increases, right? Uh, so, yeah, and that's what we are seeing. How do you make sure you don't leave money on the table? Because every customer would want to pay as low as possible. Now, why would they want to pay off the full amount? They would just want to pay whatever is the least that they can pay and get away with it. Yeah. So one of the things that we also do, as a matter of fact, is when we integrate with the banks, uh, on your collection requires actually quite a lot of integrations. Uh, one of the things that we pre-agree on is that the customer will be treated fairly, right? At which point in time, there are two, there are a lot of grids that come to us in the settlement engine. One of the major ones for us is, this is very peculiar and most people and even your viewers, nobody will understand or know about this. Everybody says, let's do a settlement, right? Unfortunately, what a settlement does technically is it is marked as settled on your credit report, which is a negative sort of remark. So what happens there is that if you're marking it as a negative remark that you might say, okay, it is settled, it's fine, I'll be able to access the loan. But what we are seeing is a lot of times banks will come back and say, no, I will not give you that mortgage, especially your housing loan or an auto loan until and unless you close this completely to settle right now. So we get those settlement grids and we get those closure grids. From where we started seven, eight years back when it was very simple, straightforward one web page, what also happens is we'll have about 300 web pages at a bank, right? 300 different journeys. Within the same customer base, a different customer looking at their profile will see com something completely different from customer B, let's say, right? A customer A's journey in terms of workflows, what he's seeing will be very different from a customer B as well. And that's where all the personalization comes in. And it has obviously taken time. You cannot, as they say, Rome is not built, was not built <laughs> over the day. <laughs> and I think Rome is not built in this case. It is an ongoing journey. You have to keep building on it. As one of the beautiful things with technology is it keeps evolving. Whether it is under the hood technology or even something which is visible to you. You keep seeing new modes of communication which keep coming up to interact with customers. How do you change yourself along with that? So that's what the Thera or this platform does for the banks, right? It's a SaaS platform. So it's not, see, traditionally how banks have operated, they said, hey, I will, this is a piece of software. I will buy one-time fee, enter story, bye-bye, data. The beauty of this platform essentially is we say, okay, you buy it. It's fine, take it. Your investment upfront is extremely low. My revenue is SaaS-based. Okay. Essentially, even in SaaS-based, it is going to be actually success-based. So it's a SaaS success-based fee in the sense that it will be based cost collections and all. Okay, fine. If you are paying an agency 100 rupees for an account, I'll do it at 10 rupees, big deal. Because that aligns me as a business along with the bank. Otherwise, I can do one SaaS thing. It's good to have. But once the pressure is on us all, so from a revenue perspective, then you keep evolving and improving the product. That's one side of things. The second side of things is that for me, my upside is not capped. When you do a success base, the better the product has the more money you right? So both parties are aligned in the correct right direction as opposed to just selling it one off and then forget about it.
So your SaaS pricing is on a percentage of amount recovered or like number of recoveries done or what, like how do you price that? It's a mixture across different portfolios, different products. So I think it is not fairly standardized, I think, as an industry practice. So it's a very fairly uncertain. I will say products and vintages, it will be fixed. Uncertain, it will be more of variable as a percentage of collection. So it's something which is pretty standard. But again, even on even on a fix, it's a per account fixed kind of a thing, as opposed to one account has paid 10 rupees versus one account has paid. And the account payment is 1,000 rupees, then maybe I charge 10% and make 100 rupees. That's sort of something like that difference, yeah. Got it. Okay, okay. Uh, for a bank, their uh, SaaS would be like significantly cheaper, but the only thing they don't get is when your analyst intervenes and does handholding. That's the only thing which they don't get in SaaS, right? Everything else they would get, but it would be significantly cheaper. Absolutely. Yes, extremely cheaper. So what they have also now said that hey, a lot of customers are coming on this SaaS platform but not making payments. Can you handle them? And we've said, no, this product is not that. So they've now said, hey, we also have our own call center. Can you pass those leads there? Which is perfectly fine because it's a SaaS product. I pass those leads to them. But on Ethereum side, on near directions, no, we do not handle no physical human touch at all. It's a pure SaaS business. There's no service. We have a service business arm on the side as well. The MIDUs that operate slightly differently. This as a business is different. But yes, there are drop-offs which happen. Banks are concerned about it. They simply say, it's a SaaS, it's a technology. <laughs> if, you know, and Akshay has logged in right now, in real time, I know what he has done, not done. So I can actually integrate with the call center and their IVR and just have the IVR place the call. But not us as a business. You would create a, a, a like a workflow for the call center agent also for him to see the what's happening and all of that like a web page for him to also see all of that information. Yeah, absolutely. So there is a banking side of things as well in terms of when the customer is interacting, what is happening, how many, for example, again, I will use very simple example. If you send out 10,000 SMSs, the entire brain is which SMS is working, not working. So all of that is open and available to the bank to look at. And with intelligence actually goes a step further. A bank has, so we have these pre-approved templates and all. So the bank can either say, hey, I want to use this template or the system itself essentially says that, guess what, this template will work best. This is the course of action that we recommend. Do fintech companies also use this? So as a business model, yes, we have now just started to look at fintechs, um, but primarily we have pretty much with all the large banks in this country. Because as I said, they are largely self-funded or angel-funded or bootstrapped. So the idea was, as Einstein will say, I would look at the toughest problem and try to solve for it. And that's what we have done. We have gone after the biggest banks because the volumes are the largest there. And now, subsequently, we are looking at adding fintechs as well. Fintechs, the volume is lower, the revenue potential tends to be slightly lower. But I think there are certain larger fintechs in there as well, especially with BNPL. BNPL as a concept, if you look at it, is absolutely economically unviable to even put a call center on on those small ticket size loans or what I will call as micro ticket size loans. It just makes no sense. You can do it, but if you're doing it, then there is something fundamentally wrong if you're putting people because they have bigger issues there if that's the choice you have made. What is the onboarding journey for a bank? Like if a bank takes this up, then 
how do they get onboarded? Like you, you do some integrations with their existing system. So like, how do you make them live? Is it like self-service or is it like a lot of your tech team has to do a lot of integrations and all that? Yeah. Unfortunately, banks in BFCs or BFC are not the most technically, I will say, advanced in the ecosystem as such. So unfortunately, it does require technical integration or these technical integrations tend to be I will say easy. It's a three-week process uh, from a beginning to an end kind of a thing. So it's easy for the banks, except that it just takes three weeks. Ideally, I would want to do it three days. A lot of it can be done, but it ends up taking, I will say, three weeks maximum. We have to integrate with the core systems as well. because And the reason to integrate with the core system is very simple. It is about customer journey, right? So if an Akshay is making a payment right now, it has to hit and reflect in his account within the next two seconds, right? Uh, so, and that's a journey we have sort of gone through, journey that we have undertaken over a period of time. Uh, but yeah, it requires core system, core banking system integration. Some banks have APIs available, a lot of them do not, in which case we have to assist the bank with that as well to build out that integration or we can do without the integration as well as a, you say, okay, let's go live in three weeks. And as phase two of the project will be might take two months to do that integration, then you know, customer experience will only improve over a period of time. But yeah, the idea is three weeks. Uh, most of the, I'll, I'll say, there are some very basic, important hygienic integrations which get done within a week, max to max, ideally. There are others which are for more customer delight perspective and that can happen over a period of time. So if a bank is using a, like a modern core banking system which has API and all, that would happen like in three days, I'm guessing. Yeah, 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 within three days. Yeah, yeah. that will be a yeah, three days. I wish there were banks who were doing that, but yeah. Okay, okay. Although uh, there are so many fintechs also targeting banks, like giving them better core banking systems. And also, I guess it's just a matter of time before the bank's digital infrastructure is at par. Yes, absolutely. I think a lot of, I think from a startup perspective, what we are seeing is a lot of new banks come into place, but they are also... They are riding on a banking license, banks' ability to license, but they're saying the customer is, is ours. The journey that we're providing is very good. Building a better, beautiful wrapper around it. But ultimately, end of the day, they're saying customer will be ours. In our case, we're pretty much outsourcing the technology to the bank and saying, yeah, take it, fine. There's zero cost to the bank to take it. They only pay on success in which ways, right? So it's easier for them also. Zero cost, even if you build them a settlement engine, like you were saying, some banks don't have a settlement engine. Yeah, absolutely. What is a settlement engine? It's, it's just like an algorithm to decide who gets allowed to settle how much amount yes it's as simple as that it's like an excel sheet kind of a thing and you in a sense very simple and on excel sheet you have 100 you set some rules and yeah i just set some rules that's it which yeah a lot of them have unfortunately a lot of them have it in macros or excel some of them still do it by heuristics some manager has to do something but generally analytics teams and all these guys have it. And with the bureaus, they have it. You're just making it easier to use, so to speak. So you said that the more the number of banks who are using it, the smarter it is getting. Uh, so is that, how is that data being shared back with you to make your system smarter? What is the way in which, because banks would have a, privacy concern also, right? Like Yeah, absolutely. So from a data perspective, essentially there is no 
personally identifiable information which is shared. So basically, there is a piece of software which is deployed at the bank. All the information resides there. Then there is a sort of small engine which is outside of this. So the only information that goes from here to here is very specific account level and not personally identifiable information. So that will be like account, your name will not go, your address will go marked, uh, masked rather. The only thing in the address that will go is maybe a pin code, right? A pin code will go because that sort of makes the engine much more smarter. Your balance will go, but no name, no unique ID will go. There'll be a separate unique ID which will be generated. And all the interactions that are happening here in some sense are captured, but all are basically the faces sort of torn off. You can't see the face. There's just stream of data which is coming in. So you can figure out that these kind of accounts which are working like this and Bank B has also got those kind of accounts. So this is the treatment which is working here best. So to start with, let's use the same treatment. So that's what the engine is deciding, right? But there is no information movement between banks that happens, so to speak, at all. How automated is this? Like for a bank, do they just need to upload, not even upload, maybe there'll be some integration. Once the integration is done, then does it automatically run everything, every campaign? Or what is the amount of human intervention needed to run it? Again, it depends upon the amount of integration that the bank has done, right? Some banks are far ahead of it. Some banks are slightly behind. But in steady state, I will say it's absolutely... Now, let's say for a fully integrated bank. Yeah, it's a click of a button thing. Yeah. So you just go live with it and it sort of suddenly the manager will see money coming in effectively. Okay, okay. Zero of human intervention. It's essentially you click a button and then money comes in. <laughs> as simple as that. That clicker button is for just that that one time going live. So you need to just click a button for that. Yeah, essentially, yes. Uh, a lot of it is automated. The only thing is, after that, there is no manual intervention. After the one time go live. Yeah, from banks, there might be a little bit of manual intervention. But from our side, no. So the more they automate the process, it is far easier. So click off a button. File transfers, because these are large banks with lakhs and lakhs of customers. So it's not an API will not work for that. Huge data will not work on API. So there's an SFTP automated transfer that happens. But yeah, it is really simple. The bank can stop it. And that's the only human intervention that they can do. Ideally, yeah, they shouldn't and they don't. As the system is becoming better and better, that's how it's working. As banks are developing more confidence on it, it's essentially a click of a button. You go like, that's it. After that, then it is essentially okay. I think from a platform perspective, the platform is there. It is about making more use cases. Different use cases beyond collections as well on it, which actually banks themselves are coming off the plane and say, can we do this also? Can we do that as well? Which is brilliant for us. For example, you can do sales, cross-sell on it. Right now, banks still cross-sell, upsell. will still use essentially a call center. They don't have the ability to target customers. Most of the targeted targeting that we spoke about is done by third parties, like the Pesabazaar, Bank Bazaar kind of thing. Banks don't have that ability. They don't even need to. You end up spending a whole lot of marketing dollars if you're a sort of third party because what's your who doesn't want? Whereas for a bank, if you're saying I have uncrewed customers and I just want to, you know, now they have saving accounts and I now want to sell 
credit card on them. I have every information on them. I just have to reach out to them. So they would typically use a call center. Now they're saying, hey, here is a system which is working on collections for cross-sell, upsell should be even easier than even this thing. So yeah, stuff like that. Or for that matter, I will say on credit cards, change behavior uh, to say, hey, I want to increase the usage and spends on my credit card. Can we use this platform to communicate and engage with customers? One of the key things is obviously driving engagement right uh, on the platform of the customers. And then that concept at at its core can move across different use cases, right? Not just in collections, for sales as well, for cross-sell, upsell. So you hit 30 CR top line last year, you told me. And this is all like bootstrap, like you've not raised any funds so far. No, life to date, I think friends, family and angel would have been 5 CR, what? Including our own money that we put in. Yeah, so what 5 CR raised in. Uh, we did about, yeah, last year we did about 50 CR, Lord. Give or take a few. Here or there. Lacks here or there. And this year, what do you estimate? That you'll like you'll double it? So this year has been more of building on the Ethereum side of business to scale that side of business. So what we've realized is the integrations that Chintan banks are taking longer than what we anticipated because of the banks uh, thing. So I will say yeah, about it should be around 50 sort of a number, not really double. But the beauty is I think the next year should be Again, massive growth, not even to X, give about two and a half X, I will say, which is fine. In business, there are always ups and downs. As long as you're going profitably and sustainably, it's fine, right? You just hit some bumps, which is, yeah, which is okay. And you don't need to raise any funds, even to achieve that two and a half X next year. You don't need funds. No, absolutely not. It's more about working capital management, etc. So you don't really need to raise funds, so to speak. Scale this up completely on its own as well. Uh, you can raise money to 2.5x, do 3x, 3.5x. But money deployment also, see, it's a cash generating business, profitable business, right? There are always opportunity to deploy funds and it becomes more of a working capital thing and even the funds that you require are not that much so to speak you can either take a working capital facility or if you want to take a little bit of cash you can take cash but there is no i will say burning because i'm not burning cash so there is no burning need to say that i need money or my business will die so you can keep you can decide how you want to grow so like by 2025, what kind of revenue do you estimate you'll be doing? End of 2025, like that's about two years away. Three years, three years, yeah. So in three years time, I would be looking at anything north of 500 CR annual revenue rate. It should be there. That is, I think there's the scope of business is high and you can double, triple. I think right now is more of, I will say, deployment phase of the platform, right? To maximize, as they say, land value sort of land grab for fees for us, right? The more you deploy, revenues follow suit, right? And then you build up efficiencies, etc., of the platform across banks. Right now, it's about making as many deployments. Uh, so the focus, actually, to be honest, has not been so much on revenue also. It's been more about adding these banks more so uh, than to focus on revenue at this stage, which used to not, not used to be the case till a year back. As I said, we have different cycles. So this is more of, I will say, capex cycle in a sense for us. Right. And uh, so in that 500 crore in 2025, how much would be subscription? How much would be service? 80-20 or 70-30. Yeah, right. subscription is a much bigger play because it's cheaper for a bank. and Yes, that also, I think the service business 
is, as I said, there is an element of people there, right, of having massive call centers. So to scale it up and run it, it's not a very high margin business, but it's a cash cow business, right? Right. So if we keep running, it's a choice you make how much you want to grow it or not grow it. Uh, yeah, it's a choice. Essentially, you can grow it to 200 and 400 CR here. So 500 or 600. These are choices that you make. And, and these are not choices that you make right now for three years hence. These are always moving, right? <laughs> so you can make a choice for this year. This, this is what I want. And then next year, we again revisit and figure out how do you want to grow, how much resources you want to spend inside of the business. And do you also plan to go global? Absolutely. So as a matter of fact, we are in talks with a couple of banks in Southeast Asia and Middle East as well. So hopefully something in the next two, three months should rectify with a couple of banks outside of India. That's our initial foray to understand, to start, and then build on it again. Yeah. Okay. And there, obviously, the margins, the revenue potential is much higher because of the currency being stronger and the ticket size of the loans being higher and all of that. That's what we have heard. Let me put it that way. Uh, uh, once we start with a couple of banks, we'll have a better idea. The general wisdom is that dealing, even B2B, anything in India is a very cost conscious, I think, society as such. So even what they pay for a particular service in India versus something that they will pay in Middle East or Southeast Asia will be different. The difference in India is that, okay, maybe they buy, pay you 100 rupees, whereas let's say in Singapore, they pay you 500 rupees. But in India, that 100 can be paid across 120 crore customers, which is the population of India. Whereas in Singapore, that 500 is across maybe 1 crore or whatever the population of Singapore is. So yeah, those are trade-offs. But yeah, we will see what happens. But yeah, we're going to go like with a couple of banks soon enough, yeah. So, would you also be looking to enter US? Yes, at some point, yes. We are out actually in talks with a couple of players there. It is something we are exploring as well. Again, at a very exploratory stage right now. It's a huge market. It's a market where dollar value is also high and the customer value is also high, right? Uh, it's the largest economy in the world. I suspect it will have its own challenges. And I think one of the things that we are realizing is that any market that you enter, you need to have a local presence, so to speak. And so I think there is one other company which is in this space. And I just wanted to ask you, what is the difference between you and them? There's this company called CredGenix, right? Like, so, so what is the difference in approach between you and CredGenix? Okay, so for, as far as uh, CredGenix as a business is a bunch of very smart folks who have come together to again try to solve this. There are a lot of similarities and there are a lot of differences as well. They are again trying to solve the collections problem, but the route they have taken is more on the legal side of things, how to send out notices digitally, etc. That's the sort of route that they have taken. It's an interesting business. They are extremely well-funded by, I will say, long-term patient capital. Bunch of great guys have not met them. They're also Delhi-based by Alma Meter as well. So yeah, that's very similar, also slightly different way of looking at business. If you like the Founder Thesis podcast, then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing, technology, career advice, books, and drama. Visit thepodium.in, that is, T-H-E-P-O-D-I-U-M dot I-N 
for a complete list of all our shows.